When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Secret Squad. I'm Robin McGraw, and this is a brand new episode of I've Got a Secret. Shalina Ayana is the founder of Rising Woman, an online community with more than 3 million readers. Over 30,000 women in 146 countries are taking Rising Woman's flagship program, Becoming the One, which was the foundation for Shalina's new book under the same name. This book, Becoming the One, Heal Your Past, Transform Your Relationship Patterns, and Come Home to Yourself, will guide you to view your relationship with yourself as the most important one in your life. She discusses ending unhealthy dating patterns by healing past relationship traumas and using your past as a catalyst for better, stronger relationships. This is The Secret to Finding the One, Yourself. How are you, Shalina? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. This is a great, great conversation to be having with you today. I totally agree. You know, I'm I'm always so excited to sit down with brilliant people, but especially brilliant women and especially topics like yours today. I've been very, very excited and it's just wonderful to finally meet you. We're doing this virtually, so I, I just want the listeners to know we're virtual, but at least we get to see each other and I'm very, very happy to meet you. Me too, likewise. So I have to tell you, I've just been so impressed with everything that I've read, everything that I've learned about you. I know the listeners are going to hear everything we talk about today, and I believe that everything you have to say and everything you have to share will truly change their lives. The community you've built is so impressive. Did you have a sense of community before creating Rising Woman? I did. I had a, a really rich sense of inner community in person. Um, and when I began to create online, I really just started writing and sharing. I didn't have a big vision of growing to the millions of readers that it, it is today. I always felt the energy of it was big, mm -hmm. but I didn't have a goal. And it really did just take on a life of its own. And I think that's because my history and my childhood experiences and, and the messages that I have to share really touch people because it really reminds people that they're not alone in their experiences and that no matter where we've come from, healing is possible, healthy love is available, and we can all get there. Oh, I just, uh, yes, I agree. I think that was beautiful what you just said, and it's so profound, and I think it's so true. There's room for growth in everyone's life but also room for regrowth and room for healing. I think it's wonderful. And thank you so much for being here. I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I think it's so important to drive home the concept of getting closer to the people around you through sharing your own struggles and insecurities. Don't you mm -hmm. agree? I do. Being able to be honest about our thoughts or our fears or our vulnerabilities 
is what invites openness and it creates this new space for connection that just isn't possible when we're holding back. And that's a huge piece of my work too, is inviting people to really get down in the dirt with themselves and be honest about what's underneath that armor. And that makes space for brilliant relationship connection. I agree. And, you know, I've always been a firm believer that if you want to be real with someone, if you want to have a real conversation or real relationship, you have to be authentic. And I think people know when you're being authentic. Don't you agree? We do. As humans, we're wired to sense so much more than in this modern age we even realize. We're picking up all sorts of cues and signals and Ultimately, we can on some level feel when authenticity isn't there or when something's just off, right? And we see this a lot in relationships where somebody says something just didn't feel right or I could just sense that the truth wasn't being told. And, And yet so often from our conditioning and our histories, we've learned to sort of numb out to that sense, that alert inside of ourselves. And so coming back to our bodies is really the way to trust that more. And, and yeah, you said it so brilliantly. Authenticity is so key. So key. And I don't know, I think that's one reason why I've been so excited about this podcast today and and sitting with you, because it is so important to me. And I, if I'm speaking to a large group or just to, to friends and family, one thing that's important to me is saying and telling and teaching it. You always have to go with your gut, listen to your gut, listen to what you know to be true about yourself. And because it, that is important to me, I, I, I like to always uh, listen to the other person and uh, just go with my gut. If I'm going to be real and honest, I expect the other person to be real and honest as well. And at the same time, uh, in those conversations, I, I listen to my intuition quite often. I think that's mm-hmm. important. So many of your teachings have stemmed from your childhood experiences. Can you talk about your early upbringing through the foster care system? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was born, my mom was 22. She was struggling with her mental health. She had severe complex trauma from a very abusive childhood of her own that she was very lucky to have even survived truthfully. And so I had never even met my father, didn't know really who he was. Um, And our life began quite tumultuous. We were on the run. We didn't have a home. And so by the time I was three, she dropped me off one night at a foster home and there was no preliminary conversation about, you know, mommy's going to go quit drinking and she's going to try to take better care of you or anything. It was just, we're going on a ride. And then all of a sudden I'm abandoned. And in that foster home, I did experience sexual abuse at very young. I was about three. And then throughout the period of from about three to 12, I was in and out of foster homes. So I would go back and live with my mom for a while and then things would get really chaotic or she would have another episode. And then I would end up back in the system and she would be, you know, receiving care in hospital. Uh, And so there were, there were periods of time where, you know, she would drop me off at someone's place that I had never met. And then she would just disappear for six months. And so I can remember being very young going through depressions because I was so lost. And once I was 12, I was considered ward of the government, which is, you know, the government has legal guardianship over you. 
So essentially I had these like invisible parents that didn't know me and I didn't know them. And they're just signing off on things that I can and cannot do. So it was this very disconnected feeling of being alone and being unwanted. And then I moved out on my own at 16 and uh, by 19, of course, because of my conditioning for chaos and trauma, I ended up in a very abusive relationship. And, and that led me to a series of relationship experiences that eventually cracked me open uh, to the point where I fa- had to face my own inner pain and heal. And, and so that's really what led me here. But all of those experiences, you know, they gave me the gift of compassion and empathy and understanding that I'm really grateful for now. Um, but it, it was certainly not easy at the time. Wow. <laughs> I'm so sorry for those experiences in your life. You know, Philip and I are national spokespersons for CASA. So mm. I'm so sorry that you had to experience that. I just want to say that right now. I'm sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, at, at the same time, as as painful and as challenging as it was, there were also gifts in that, in that there were angels along the way. And, you know, I still do keep in touch with some of those foster parents. Oh. Uh, you know, I keep in touch with some of those old social workers who now are considered colleagues of mine and they oh. admire my work, you know, and it's just come full circle. And so mm-hmm. it's really beautiful to be here now and to have the opportunity to share what yeah. I've learned and, you know, to be a voice wow. for those people who maybe haven't made it out yet. God bless you. And your mission is to help people heal relationship patterns like you experienced and make room for authentic connection and love. Am I right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's my life's mission. And this is solely romantic love? It's all love and connection through community, friendship, family, and romantic partnership. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in my life now, I have such a rich sense of community around me, not just with my husband, but with close friends. We all know each other on such an intimate level, and it feels like chosen family. And it's such a gift to be open enough to allow people to see us fully Mm -hmm. without our protection in place, without those guardrails up. And I'm such an advocate for people practicing what I call conscious relationship in friendship, Mm-hmm. Right. Because mm-hmm. friendship is truly it's the highest form of love expression. And I'm sure, as you know, with your husband, mm-hmm. you've been married for a very long time. You guys have a friendship and that's, that's right. what keeps things going. So ultimately, it's it's all of our connections, including our relationship with nature and our relationship with the world around us. Oh, that's beautiful. And your new book, Becoming the One, addresses dating experiences where the magic is fleeting over and over again. Did you notice a lot of people in your community struggling with this? Absolutely. It seems that it's sort of the human condition for us to chase the fairy tale, go after the honeymoon phase, right? Be head over heels, just like we see in the media all of the time, where we fall in love and it's passionate and it's intense, but then eventually real life settles in and we start to see people's flaws or we start to show up in, you know, our worst selves on our bad days. And that fantasy and that illusion is eventually crumbled. And when we don't have a foundation for what healthy, stable relationship really should look like, we might think that 
the love is gone or that there's something wrong, or we might hit our first sign of conflict and just flee. But ultimately that point when we really start to see each other is the very beginning of the work in relationship. It's true. It's almost like a relief when you finally get to see the real person, because yes, there isn't a relationship that's perfect. And there isn't one person that is perfect. And yes, that that honeymoon phase is wonderful. That being in love, fun, butterfly feeling, yes, that's wonderful. And I think everyone should have that. But it's almost a relief when you can say, okay, I'm I'm happy that we've settled into what love really is. That's understanding that we're not perfect. And this is not a perfect relationship. And it's not a perfect marriage. So it's really more, in in my opinion, it's really more fun, more exciting when you are settled into the marriage and into the relationship and and you understand, oh, yay, now we can just be in love and be happily married. I so agree with you. And that's something that I had to learn along the way and that I really work with people to recognize because we do have this attachment to the honeymoon phase where Uh we think that's And often most of us don't actually get to that place you're speaking of that you've experienced, which is that rich sense of mature, deepened love Mm -hmm. um, that is, it is found through trial and error and navigating conflicts over and over again and finding our way and creating agreements and and trying over when things don't work until we get to a place of harmony. And so often in our culture, we have this conditioning that conflict is bad, or we just don't know how to approach it or deal with it. Mm -hmm. And so we blow up our relationships and then we just keep going into the honeymoon phase. So that's the best we've ever experienced, but that's certainly not the best that it gets. Yes, that's so true. Philip and I will be celebrating our 46th wedding anniversary, actually in a couple of months. And I love thinking back about when we were first married. Yes, it was fun and and exciting, but I'm probably more excited about this 46th wedding anniversary as I was our first wedding anniversary because I can reflect on all of the years we've been together, the ups and the downs, the trials and tribulations. And so, yes, it is fun knowing that it's not always going to be perfect. Yeah, there's no such thing as perfect. No. And in relationship, there's a fine line between settling and never having enough. And especially now where we have, you know, endless opportunities and we have these dating apps at our fingertips and it's sort of a little bit sometimes like a human meat market, isn't it? Where you're just (laughs) swiping based on what people look like. And so we really have to drop into our hearts and into presence of what's true. And if you look around you, there's no such thing as perfect. There's just the person who's perfect for you right now. Oh, that's beautiful. I like how you say that repeated patterns are not a sign that you are broken. You say it is a sign that somewhere along the way you learned to sacrifice yourself in order to be loved. Yeah, so often we do that. So often we've been hurt or betrayed or you know in my experience abandoned. And so we really do contort ourselves to be or appear as we think we need to be in order to receive the love that we all want. We all want connection. We all want to be seen. We all want to feel safe and heard and understood by people who we love. And yet when we are holding back, when we are not being authentic and true to ourselves, 
that connection can never be real. And when we're authentic and we honor ourselves, sure, some people may not respond the way we want them to respond, but that's what I call qualifying. And so if those people fall away, they're meant to fall away. And the right ones will be there because they'll be resonating with who you are authentically. And so we're sort of peeling back those layers of, of the inauthenticity and the masks that we've put on to survive mm-hmm. so that we can get to that inner pearl of who we really are. That's so true. And yeah, I just thought of something too. It's a lot of pressure to put on a partner when you expect them to be perfect all the time. What pressure? If you really love someone, don't put that kind of pressure on them. Mm-hmm. And and pressure on ourselves. Exactly. We do that. If we, if we strive for perfection in ourselves, we will not let our partners off the hook either. And so it really is this, this dance of giving ourselves grace in order to give others grace. And, and there's always these moments, you know, where our partner is going to say something that maybe they said it in a tone that didn't feel good, or, you know, something came out wrong, or they're having a moment of stress. And we always have a choice. We can react to that and we can feed it, or we can just love them in that moment and we can soften in that moment. And that's often all it takes to reduce the tension and come back to our hearts. So often we're feeding off of each other's stress. And so we really have to learn how to self-regulate to be in healthy relationship. That's so true. You know, this just reminded me of it when you know, we'll, we're going to celebrate 46 years, but we've been together 49, almost 50 years. And I can remember when we were first married, we were not just in a relationship dating. We were first married and we had lots of conversations about what it was going to take to have a successful marriage and very honest, vulnerable conversations. But I can remember one time Philip say, saying to me, he goes, now, you know, we're very different in a lot of ways. I'm a man, you're a woman, blah, blah, blah. But we're, we're very different. We've had different kinds of relationships growing up with our family members and, and whatever, dating. But he said, you know, I want you to be happy. You need to just please always remember, my goal is for you to be happy. And I know that your goal is for me to be happy. But just across the board, I want you happy. And if I ever say anything or do anything that really hurts your feelings, that upsets you. I want you to please tell me that the first thing you say to yourself is, he did not do that on purpose. He did not say that to upset me, and he did not do that to upset me, because his number one goal is for me to be happy. So that wasn't on purpose. He just didn't know it would upset me. He said, come and tell me what you just said really upset me or what you just did really upset me. And I promise you, if you tell me, I'll never do it again because I will be aware that it upset you and I don't want you upset. So it was like, so to me, it's so simple and so kind. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Generosity, generosity of love and, and, and care in relationship is something that many of us haven't learned because we never received it when we were growing up. And so it really is this muscle that we have to build. Mm -hmm. And I just love that so much. I have this mantra in, in my marriage with my husband, which is, I want you to have everything that you want. I want you to have everything you've always dreamed of. And so when we both come at our relationship from that frame of just wanting our partner to have all of their dreams come true every day, 
it's such a gift that we give each other that reciprocity and generosity. And I think many of us are still learning how to do that. Yes, I agree. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed. So you don't have to download the new Bumble now. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. We've come to a place in the podcast that I do with every podcast. When I started the podcast, I thought there are two things I want to do with everyone. And one is the drink of the day. So we create a drink for our guest and our topic. So this drink is called Rising Woman. Mm -hmm. And as you can see, sadly, we're not together, but I've created this drink for you. This is a layered iced tea where the color rises to the top. It has one black tea bag, five ounces of boiling water, three ounces of condensed milk. You steep the tea bag in the boiling water for five minutes. Then you chill as desired. Fill a tall glass with ice, add the milk, and then carefully layer the tea on top. Garnish with the mint, and you're left with a beautiful Thai iced tea that you will just love. So in your honor, this drink is for you today. Cheers. Beautiful. Thank you. Cheers. So for all of you listeners, you can go to I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com and you can see how we created this drink today called Rising Woman. And you'll have the recipe as well and the directions on creating one for yourself. I just think it's beautiful. So fun. Thank you. So because I said cheers, I've always been told when you say cheers, you have to take a sip of the drink. You have to take a sip of the drink, yes. Mm. <laughs> How does it taste? Oh, it's delicious. It's a delicious <laughs> tea. Okay. So it sounds like the first step is acknowledging what your patterns even are. So I know that can be difficult for people to do on their own. What are your thoughts on that? It, it does take assistance. We We don't often have the tools or the way forward to look and recognize our patterns until we have a bit of a framework to get there. And not only that, but ways of self-soothing and bringing compassion to our process so that we don't get overwhelmed with what we discover. Because ultimately, recognizing our relationship patterns is about taking responsibility for our lives and for how our relationships look and for the role that we play. And, and so 
I have created a process for people in my book and in my programs, which guides us through that, that stage by stage process of, you know, looking back at what was our early conditioning? What are the things that shaped us? What are the beliefs that shaped us? And then it's not so much about breaking our patterns as it is about transforming them so that the essence of our patterns can shift and the way that we respond to them as they arise can shift. And so that we can attract a partner who like yours was so willing to be generous with you in love. And that's all we can ask for. We're not going to end up in a relationship where there's no conflict ever or where things are perfect, like you said, but we will be able to call in a partner who can meet us when things are hard. And that's mm. the goal of transforming our patterns. Mm. Beautiful. How can you use past relationships as a catalyst for a better relationship? That's such a brilliant question really our past relationships we have a choice we can look at them as if you know everything was all the other person's fault and that there must have just been something wrong with them and that we just needed to get rid of that person and go find a new one you know we do the recycle human bodies thing or we can say that relationship was my teacher that person had a lesson for me there's something here for me to walk away with about what i'm conditioned for how i show up how I could show up better or more authentic. How could I be more honest? Where was I holding back in that relationship? Where didn't I set boundaries? You know, where did I ignore my intuition? All of those questions we can ask ourselves at the end. And so I always say, you know, instead of letting a past relationship harden you or turn you bitter, let it open you into a deeper love, more expanded awareness. And so I see all of our past relationships as these powerful teachers for us. And that can lead us to not just holding back in the next relationship because we're afraid to be hurt the same way, but in recognizing some of the things that arose in that relationship because they were coming up to heal. Often those are old wounds from the past. In my case, that was often abandonment wounding and, and the traumas that I experienced that prevented me from being open and authentic in my relationships, that prevented me from being vulnerable. So instead I was edgy and hard and angry and defensive. And of course that just never ends well. <laughs> So true. You're so brilliant. Can you talk about that fine line between setting boundaries and building up walls? This is a, a tricky one. Yeah. And I see when we start setting boundaries, we do one of two things. We either just start setting boundaries and speaking our truth a little bit more clearly, or we will swing from one end of the pendulum to the other because setting boundaries can be this very scary thing to practice. So for those of us who maybe struggle a lot to set a boundary, we might have to inflate ourselves and puff ourselves up like a blowfish and get really scary in order to have the courage to set the boundary. So instead of just making a request, we might, might start barking at people or being kind of aggressive or, you know, demanding in how we express our boundary. And so I always say, you know, watch out for that pendulum swing. We're not going from one extreme to the other. We're finding our own middle middle ground here. And, and ultimately we have to remember too, that when we're setting a boundary, we have to be clear on what our intention is. Are we setting a boundary because this person isn't safe or this relationship isn't gonna work for us? There's a deal breaker and this needs to end and we're saying, hey, this doesn't work for me, or 
are we setting a boundary because we actually want to invite deeper connection with this person and we want to let them know how to show up for us. So intention is also very important. And more often than not, I would hope that the boundary that we're setting is so that we can deepen in connection and just sort of edge that relationship into a healthier zone. Do you think that there is uh, such a thing as an unspoken boundary or should all boundaries be discussed in a relationship? I think there's definitely unspoken boundaries. I mean, and I would, I would also relate this to expectations, right? I personally, I expect you to respect my physical energetic bubble. You know, I would expect to not have you be abusive or to, you know, do things that are considered betrayal. Um, You know, there are those obvious things that as human beings, that's just how we should all expect to treat each other. And of Mm -hmm. course, that doesn't always happen as as you know very well, and I know very well. Um, And so there are these unspoken things where, you know, if there's an abusive dynamic or something that's really not okay, you can't say, well, you didn't tell me that that wasn't okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, But it's worth worth mentioning because so so many of us come from abusive households and you know, I did, I witnessed so much abuse growing up that of course, you know, in my early years, abuse was kind of normal to me. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, if we come from that kind of background, then we do have to retrain ourselves as to what's okay and what's not okay. Right. Um, yeah. I that, agree. And that takes time. The reason I ask that is because um, sometimes I will create certain boundaries or I'll be in a relationship or in a situation with someone, and I will create a boundary in my mind. I will think, okay, I need to set a boundary here because I really like this situation. I like this person, but I can see where I personally need to set a boundary and start living it. And Mm -hmm. I don't find it necessarily that important to talk about it, but for myself, because I know me, I will set some boundaries and start creating those boundary lines in certain relationships. Mm -hmm. I understand exactly what you're talking about. And what you're saying is that you're leading by example. Yes. And you're telling people how you want to be treated Mm -hmm. and what you expect through how you show up and how you communicate. Mm -hmm. And that really is the work in action for all of us Mm -hmm. is to embody what we want in relationship. Mm -hmm. And so we do sort of, you know, give off that air of, you know, here, this is who I am and this is what I expect. Uh-huh. And um, that's what leads to healthy relationships too. Because when we do that, there are going to be some people who are just not into it. Yes, I totally <laughs> and <then> agree. <laughs> and then there's yeah. people who will love it and then they'll be inspired by you. And they'll yeah. be like, wow, Robin is so in her power and the mm-hmm. way that she holds herself and carries herself. I want to be more like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we can lead through our actions. I love that. And then how can someone know if they're feeling intuition, anxiety, or seeing a true red flag? Mm -hmm. I call that there's the difference between a true red flag and what I call a false alarm. And a false alarm is based on our past conditioning or our past hurts, where we've experienced something that created a painful memory in us, like a trauma. Mm -hmm. And so we might be on high alert or hypervigilant whenever something that even closely resembles that 
happens and it, it could be completely unrelated. And like you said, your husband was like, Hey, if I ever do anything, I need you to assume that I didn't do that on purpose. Well, when we're having false alarms, often we are always assuming that they did it on purpose because sure. that's what we know. And so it's not as simple as just deciding. We mm -hmm. really actually have to know our histories and understand if there's anything still really alive in us that's causing us fear or pain or to, to shut down. And then to be tender with ourselves in those moments so that we can really search inside of ourselves and say, is this my inner child talking? You know, am I afraid to be hurt again? Is this person actually safe? Do they actually love me and care about me? And is it perhaps something that was unintentional? Mm -hmm. And a good way to test that is to bring it. Just like your husband said, hey, bring this to me. I recommend doing that to test whether or not it was a red flag because how people respond when we say, hey, that hurt yeah. can tell us a lot. Yes. It can tell us a lot about what we need to know. Yes. And you bring it with sincerity and honesty, not anger. Which is the hardest thing to do when you're scared. So hard. Right? So, yes. It's so scary to do that. Yes. Another thing you probably see often is people falling into a relationship versus consciously choosing one. I think most of us do that, or at least most of us have done that because we don't seem to value or prioritize relationship in the way that we do most other things. We value success and business and money and status in the world and, you know, even little things, you know, but, but when it comes to relationship, it seems that we just kind of go with our feelings, you know, we feel that passion and excitement. And so we just dive on in and there is a lot to talk about before entering into a relationship choosing a partner, you're essentially, you're taking on their life lessons and they're taking on yours. You're saying, Hey, let's do this thing together. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's such a big decision. And our lives are such a reflection of our relationships. And so we want to learn how to slow down a little bit and consciously choose our relationships rather than just falling into them and then finding ourselves in deep regret a few months later or a few years later when we finally realize, oh, I never even had these conversations that would have qualified whether or not we're a match to even pursue something together. Yes. So important. It's so important to have lots of conversations, especially if you think this is the one, this is the one relationship I want to have and be in for the rest of my life. What are mm -hmm. questions we can ask ourselves to make sure we're with someone for healthy reasons? One of the biggest questions and the first questions that I always ask is where are you at in your relationship with yourself right now? Really checking in on that first, because when we are out of integrity with ourselves or when we are out of harmony with ourselves and we are feeling a sense of urgency or panic to yeah. close the deal, so to speak, yeah. or get yeah. that love in the door and, and, you know, get that commitment often that's coming from a wound or an insecurity. And so checking in on where am I at right now? Do yeah. I feel yeah. like I could be alone or be with this person? Or is there this sense of urgency? Yes. That's a big one, I think, to start with. Yes. Yes. I think a good question for your own self is, do I trust myself to mm -hmm. handle it if this doesn't work out? 
if something goes wrong with this relationship, do I trust myself enough to handle it? I think that's important. It is. And to be able to hold ourselves through. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of tools in my book around self-soothing mm-hmm. and working with that little part of ourselves that maybe is afraid to be alone or mm-hmm. does want approval and love and knowing that actually you don't need anyone else to give that to you. You can give that to yourself. So true. And your book addresses who the real love of your life is, yourself. What are some of your best tips to strengthen the relationship you have with yourself? Practice being alone sometimes and really enjoying your alone time. Practice being in love with you. You know, take yourself out for dinner, go for a walk in nature, sing, journal, have tea with yourself. You know, I have all of these little self-dating practices that I created in the, in the book, which is these dates that you can take yourself out on. And it can be very extravagant or it can be very simple, like running yourself a bath and just listening to music. And I find that there's a difference between being alone and really enjoying your time with yourself. And, and that is a good practice to build, to get to know yourself because as you deepen in that, then you will be able to choose love from a secure place rather than a place of, you know, desperation or fear of being alone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing I always like to say to myself and to my girlfriends, especially, give yourself a break and quit worrying about that. Because I think women put a lot of pressure on themselves, too much pressure. It's just in our DNA. So I'm just like, give yourself a break today. Every day, give yourself a break. Every day. (laughs) Can you talk about the community of Rising Woman and the resources that you provide? Yeah, a big part of Rising Woman is just my daily writings, which is totally free. And I just do it because that's what I'm here to do on the planet. Uh, So a lot of my writing you can find, you know, on Instagram or on my email list. And I just send out little thoughts and, and, and pieces that I create every day. And then another aspect of it is inside of my programs, which, you know, is becoming the one. And then I have a a healing from heartbreak program as well. And then my husband and I created a a couple's program called creating conscious love. And so there's a little bit of something for everyone. You know, if you're on that journey of really wanting to reclaim your relationship to self, then we work through that. If you're going through a breakup and you want this breakup to be a catalyst for awakening, then we can work through that. And if you're in partnership and you want to deepen, then we can go there too. And ultimately the community is this place where people take full responsibility for their lives and the roles they're playing in their relationships. And they're committed to deepening in truth with themselves and becoming the one is always the foundation for all of my work, which is your relationship to you is the reflection of all of your other relationships. So let's really work on that. I love it. And please tell us all where to get your brand new book. Yeah, I'm so excited about this book. It's finally here. It's available online on Amazon. It's available in all major bookstores, most independent bookstores as well. And I'm really just so grateful for the opportunity that I have to share this work on such a grand scale. Over the coming years, it's going to be available in nine other languages um, right now available in US, Canada, UK, Australia, and New Zealand. And uh, yeah, I just, I'm just so, so excited about it. Oh, congratulations. And tell the listeners again, the name of your book. 
it's becoming the one and it's about heal your past transform your relationship patterns and come home to yourself and that is the essence of this book it's so wonderful we have come to the other place in the podcast that we do with every podcast and it's called the game of the day so do you like playing games Let's play. I love games. I think everyone <laughs> should play a game every day and have fun and laugh. So Agreed. the name of this game is Love Yourself. Ooh. And in this game, we're going to go through all of the letters of self-love and think of one thing that makes us happy that starts with that letter. And Secret Squad, you can play along with us to set some good intentions for the day. So... The first letter that we're going to use is the S in self-love. So using the letter S, I'll let you go first. Say, tell me something that starts with the letter S that makes you happy. Sunshine. Oh, I love that. Okay, <laughs> so for me, the letter S would be my son's. Hmm. Okay, so the next letter you can go first is the letter E. Hmm. I think of the word energy. Ooh, that's beautiful. I'm going to say for E, it's every woman in this room that is surrounding me today. So mm. I have one, two, three, four, five women. So every woman in this room. Mm, okay. The letter L. L. Hmm. Love. <laughs> that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So what makes me happy with the letter L? I'm going to say London. My grandson's name is London, and I thought of him immediately. Mm. London. That's sweet. So let's see. F. You know, it's a toss-up between friendship and french fries for me. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Okay, so for the letter F would be fettuccine. I had it last night. It was delicious. <laughs> Okay, L. We're back to the letter L. Mm. L. Mm. Life. Yeah, that's beautiful. Okay, so for my L, it's going to be lemonade. I just had some recently, and it was mm. delicious. Lemonade. Okay, mm. O. O. Hmm. Openness. Oh, that's pretty. So for me, the letter O is going to be... Oscar Mayer Wiener Hot Dog. I love those. <laughs> Is that funny? Okay. V. Okay. Wow. V. Hmm. Violence. <laughs> I mean, I do like I do like classical music. Violin is nice. I wouldn't say it's like my top thing, but. V is a hard one. <laughs> yes. You know what makes me very happy? I just got off a vacation with my oh. grandchildren, my son, my daughter-in-law, Erica. Oh, we had so much fun. I'm going with vacation. That's a good one. I'm going to take that one as well. Okay. Okay. We have one <laughs> letter left. E. E. Mm. Expression. I love it when people feel like they can be fully expressed in, in my presence. And I love seeing people just be silly and laugh and dance and play. Yes. Yes. I totally agree with you. So I'm going to say for my last letter, E, 
I'm going to say Erica. She's my daughter-in-law, Erica. And I just mentioned I just spent some time with her uh, on our vacation with the family. And we were flying home together. And I watched her with her two children, my grandchildren. And she was she's just so precious. And she's such a good mother. And so my last E is for Erica, my daughter-in-law. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, so sadly, unfortunately, that brings us to the end of this episode. That's really sad for me. I hate it. But before we wrap up, I have one more question for you. I started this podcast to share life-changing secrets. Do you have one major secret you've learned that you would like to share with the listeners? Mm. When I think of one major secret that has helped me feel the most empowered and at home in my life, it would be that our relationships are a reflection of our first family conditioning until we choose to transform them. And having that power is such a gift. Wow. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. So could you also please tell the listeners where to find you and Rising Woman online and again, where to find your new book? Absolutely. So my book is available on Amazon and in all major and independent bookstores. And you can find me on Instagram at Shalina Ayana and at Rising Woman. And the same for my websites, shalinaayana.com and risingwoman.com. And I do have some free audio meditations there for you to download if that is something that you would like. Oh, that's so wonderful and so kind. So listeners, you can go to I've Got a Secret with robinmcgraw.com and we will have all of Shalina's information there as well. And you can also go to I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com to hear more from this episode. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.